capable of puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about Harry Potter. Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches talk about Harry Potter. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I'm Jesse Blount. And today we actually have a very special episode. Lark was joined by the very lovely ladies over at the Her Dark Materials podcast. There was a cool conversation about um, demons and Patronuses and all kinds of fun stuff. I was not around for this recording, so this is the only bit of me that you'll hear in this episode, but it's excellent. You guys are really going to love it. Yeah, it was so, it was so much fun. Um, And I don't think that, uh, listeners, I don't think you need to have read the His Dark Material books to enjoy this episode. I do think that we should give, like, the tiniest explanation of what, like, a demon is, because I think that's the only thing that you really need to know to be able to appreciate the conversation that we're having here yes uh yeah so in the in the world of his dark materials um humans have demons which are a physical manifestation of a part of your soul that takes the shape of an animal yep and are the opposite gender of the human in question which does come up in this conversation also yeah, I had some I had some thoughts about that too. Yeah, I think I honestly think that's all you need to know to be able to appreciate what's going on here. Yeah, we talked to I mean you'll you'll hear it, but we got into the similarities and differences between patronuses and demons and we gave some patronuses to his dark materials characters and we gave some demons to Harry Potter characters. There was a unexpectedly excellent conversation about Voldemort that was like mind blowing for me personally. Yeah, I have a, I have a lot of thoughts about that too. I'm like, oh, so good. You know what? Okay, <sighs> I'm excited to hear that. We should totally talk about your thoughts on that, and we'll put it at the end of this episode. So, <laughs> um, stay tuned at the end for that. But also because at the end of this episode, we're going to give you updates on like fun stuff we've got going on this fall, and like really cool stuff that we were up to this summer make sure you listen through also if you love what you hear today which you will i was on an episode of her dark materials that's coming out either yesterday or tomorrow i can't remember but like around now almost simultaneously with this episode coming out so you should definitely check that out we talked about how the Alethiometer and tarot are similar and different and all sorts of stuff with like symbolism and whatever it was really fun i cannot i cannot wait to hear it because uh in in between the years when i was first reading harry potter i became deeply obsessed with the his dark material series and i think i think the i think uh the Amber Spyglass is maybe still in like my like top five books ever. And none of the Harry Potter books are. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, with that, I'm going to like introduce our guests and then we will, you'll hear like a little twinkly sound and then you'll be inside the episode. So here we go. Her Dark Materials is a His Dark Materials read-through podcast covering the Philip Pullman novels a chapter at a time, spoiler-free, as well as the BBC HBO TV series. Um, This conversation is not spoiler-free. BT dubs. You may be spoiled by listening to this. Uh, It is hosted by Faye and Rach. Faye is a queer podcast producer and communications specialist. As well as working on her dark materials, Faye hosts and produces Still Into You, a Paramore podcast, where she and her co-host Zach discuss every Paramore song in order. Rach works as an artist and designer and toy maker and can usually be found embodying her inner craft goblin, making a mess and crafting cute things. She draws inspiration from nerdery, storytelling, and the natural world. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk with both of you. Hello. Thank you for having us. Hello. <laughs> Can you both say, like, which name belongs to which voice really quick? Yeah. Uh, so I'm Faye. Hello. And I'm Rachel. Hi. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so let's just start with some, like, basic Harry Potter stuff. Um, tell me briefly about, like, your relationship with Harry Potter and your Hogwarts houses and if you want to get like deep about it you can tell me like your primary and secondary but you don't have to yeah um so I was obsessed with Harry Potter from when I was like a small child my dad brought me the Philosopher's Stone home from the supermarket one day and he was like oh I think you might like this and I was like you are right dad and I (laughs) literally read Harry Potter and nothing else I'm gonna say for the span of the book series so like what was it like 10 years maybe a little bit less than that seven eight years uh and my mum was like are you gonna read any other book ever and I was like I don't think I will um (laughs) so I was obsessed for years and years and years I went through um it just meant so much to me like when I was in school I got badly bullied and it was like the kind of the only thing that I had that like made me feel like I had friends like and I just I adored it so much um, and then I was saying to Rach actually earlier, I think that I used to have like such an encyclopedic knowledge of Harry Potter, but because and I've read it over and over again, but because I haven't read it in a long time and because I'm like getting old, and my, my <laughs> mental illness does not allow me to keep as many things in my brain anymore. So I feel like it's trickling away a little bit. Um, yeah. But it's, so it's interesting to, to revisit because I've not really spoken about it in, in a long time. Nice, nice. My relationship to Harry Potter came through uh, via, as so many things did in my like childhood, uh, via my sister who borrowed the book from her friend Sean and our cat destroyed it. So we had to buy our friend, a fa- friend of the family, Sean. Poor Sean had a beautiful, we've realised it's one of those rare ones that has the picture of... Um, we think it's Nicholas Flamel on the back. Yeah. It's like the, the ginger yeah. wizard on the back. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. that's a rare one. Might be worth something if our cat hadn't shredded it. Um, <laughs> so we bought her a new copy, but that probably is worth significantly less than the cat bitten one that we still have. Um, and yeah, it was very much like my sister's thing. She There was like a, um, 
article in like the village newspaper because the village bookshop like made a big deal of getting them in we were like one of the only villages locally that had a bookshop and like my sister queued at midnight to get the next release of one of the books and like so there was a little picture of her in like the village newspaper it was really cute and we grew up very much she read them first I wasn't as big into reading there's a few of the books where I saw the film first um but we grew up and we would usually do a lot of like reading on holidays in the caravan so we'd be like caravanning around the British countryside and we would sit next to the caravan and take it in turns to read like a few pages like my mum and my dad might read like a full chapter out loud and then I'd do like a couple of pages and my sister would do a couple of pages and so so like they're very wholesome wholesome. (laughs) yeah that's that's my relationship to the books is like it's very nested in like that like childhood thing and then the audiobook Stephen Fry reading the audiobooks kind of was the soundtrack to me getting through uni doing a lot of like repetitive work and just yeah listening to the audiobooks so Rich, very calming place for me now what you mentioned about your sister queuing up to get the books I remember doing that with uh the Deathly Hallows and I have like quite an impulsive nature and I remember I got home from getting it and I was so obviously so excited opened it to the last page immediately because that's apparently I just wanted to ruin it for myself and saw like the last line and I was like cool ruined I mean it's not much of a spoiler isn't the last line just all was well yeah exactly yeah yeah (laughs) damn it it turned out okay turned out okay which I could have probably guessed but I was like scanning the last page and I was like I need to stop doing that I still do that now like I'm I'm ridiculous for like finding spoilers for things (sighs) I don't know. Just like to know what happens, I guess. I'm impatient, <laughs> I think, is what I am. <laughs> I've gotten much more into spoilers, like, since the pandemic started, because I'm like, I can't, there's a lot that I can't handle anymore. So I'm like, actually, I'm looking this up before I consume this media, because I just want to be prepared. <laughs> For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, so what are your Hogwarts houses? So I am a Ravenclaw. Um, I've never, like, delved into like being something else as well i remember always thinking i was a ravenclaw and then back when like pottermore came out years ago i went on that it said i was a ravenclaw and i was like that fits and i've just Mm -hmm. stuck with that ever since nice that that works for you you're very like you're a very literary person (laughs) (laughs) i always thought i was a ravenclaw because i feel like i grew up with quite a lot of like big hermione energy of being like quite an annoying goody two-shoes um but I basically identified very strongly with like the Ravenclaw aspects of Hermione despite the fact that she is obviously a Gryffindor um Mm -hmm. and yeah I was like that's me that's me that's me but like the older I get and the more I just like settle into who I actually think I am um it's just Hufflepuff so very much Ravenclaw with a Hufflepuff rising is my is my vibe (laughs) that's great Hufflepuffs are the best yeah Mm mm-hmm um yeah so we are we are here today to explore the relationships between demons and patronuses and how they're alike and different and all of that which i am just like so excited about this is like the nerdiest thing and i think it's gonna be so (laughs) yes yes (laughs) yes 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 Um, so should we start just by going like round robin what everyone's demons are? Yeah, for sure. Cool. Uh, so my demon is a duck. I just 
really like quick explanation i um love the water knew that i couldn't have i would have gone for like a whale or something but like i knew i couldn't do that because i wouldn't be able to be far far away from my demon so ducks you know they live on land and they're in the water and also my last name is ducker so i feel like it kind of works as well in that way Cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh mine is a very super basic house cat 1.0 tabby cat um will sit there warming themselves under whatever heat source is nearby as i work um he's very much based on our like family cat that i grew up with we've always been cat people and there was no way my demon was ever not just gonna be a cat <laughs> just cool. nice and nice and simple <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, so before I talk about mine, I'm actually going to read us Jessie's because oh, yes. she yeah, sent yes. it. Um, so her demon is a red fox. And she said, I've always been fascinated with foxes. They're beautiful animals that seem between cats and dogs. They're excellent cunning survivors living basically everywhere in the U.S., including cities. And when I first read the HDM series, I was around 14 or 15, a good age to imagine what my subtle demon would be. Uh, I also had a very chaotic home life in my teens, and the idea of part of me being tricksy and resilient and aloof really resonated. Despite my lifelong love of cats, I felt an affinity for something wild, something undomesticated, which, looking back, was also very teen angst of me. But as an adult, I still find that the idea fits me. Fox mythos from all over the world is that of a trickster, the question of friend or foe, depending wholly on circumstance. As someone with many intersecting marginalized identities, I deeply relate to a symbol whose meaning is very fluid and ever-shifting. Yes, uh, that's incredible. I love that. I have to rewrite my response now, because that's one of the best responses I've ever heard. (laughs) Jesse is like an intimidatingly good writer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love the like comparison. There were so many great things in, in that, but the comparison of um foxes being in between cats and dogs. I'd never thought about that before, and that's so true. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Um so I have like two answers to this. One is that one of my dogs like literally is my demon, like all the time I'm like something will happen and my partner just like looks at me and Rufio and I'm just like I know we share just one soul between the two of us like we are the same person in like our anxieties our excitement like it's uncanny how much me and this dog are like just someone took something out of me and made it into a dog um but if I'm going more like zoomed out and like what would my demon be I think think i'm gonna go with raccoon um nice we're both like not for everyone but the people that we are for we're like very for you know Uh um and they're just like really smart and only trust people who like really deserve to be trusted they have very strong boundaries and also they just like go with my aesthetics if i was like carrying a raccoon around all the time it wouldn't like mess up my like gothness so like that <laughs> yeah it's <too>. a <laughs> very important aspect of it <laughs> love that oh yes incredible oh. um cool so now let's talk about what all of our patronuses are i looked it up it's patronuses and not patroni mm, it's a okay. greek word and not a latin word or the other way around mm-hmm. anyway Cool. Um, so yes, what are y'all's patronuses? So 
Rich and I were chatting about this and like I said to you, I've kind of like lost a lot of my Harry Potter knowledge over the years. And I used to like, I used to be like, I remember being like set on what I thought or knew my Patronus was. I know that I did the like Pottermore quiz at one point, but you know, whether we actually accept that for what it is, is another story. But I I was so obsessed with Hermione when I was a kid that I kind of identified with everything that she did. Um, so, and then I was talking to Rich about it earlier and I was like, oh, I remember, you know, there was definitely a, a time in my life where I, my Patronus was an otter because of Hermione. And then, well, Rich was like, well, that kind of fits because it's also like a water based creature as well. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. I'm sticking with otter. <laughs> it, it works. <laughs> nice. Uh, mine has kind of like, well, again, same. I did the quiz and ignored the result because it gave me like a shock. And I was like, that doesn't feel useful. And I don't really relate to that. Like, I don't, sure, whatever. Um, And so my more like personal reason that I've come to is kind of linked into like how I think of Patronuses in terms of like the difference between how I would relate to a Patronus versus a demon as well, which I guess we'll get into later. But mine would be um, a lizard, specifically a the kind that you find in Madeira on the clifftops uh, because I have like a really happy but also quite like melancholy and sad memory associated with that which is that like one of the last things I did with my sister before she died was we tried to catch lizards while we were on holiday we were trying to like persuade these lizards to come onto her scarf so that we could try and we weren't actually trying to catch them but try and catch these little like rock lizards um, and so I can just imagine this lizard like skittering about and conjuring this really like powerful memory for me so yeah a lovely little Madeiran rock lizard (laughs) nice I love that you're thinking about it too in terms of like a memory associated with it that would make it like more possible for you to cast the Patronus that's very wise and I've never heard anyone talk about it like that before Rich is the wise one you will see I am the more like (laughs) scattered like just saying whatever comes to my brain part of the pod Rich is the wise one I can't live up to it (laughs) I mean, just take the compliment. (laughs) This is a a compliment deflecting zone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so Jessie's Patronus is a lioness. Um, She said, I like the idea of being protected by a rad fucking big cat and rad ladies, which we all know lionesses are. And I've always had an affinity about lions, perhaps because my favorite childhood stuffed toy was a lion. Oh, that's so, nice. I love yes, that. love that. <laughs> um, and I've always said that mine is always, I don't know when I started saying this, but <laughs> at some point in the last like 10 to 15 years, that mine is a platypus <gasps> because I just really feel an affinity for their like, what the fuckness, yes. you know? Um, they also feel just like very queer as an yes. animal yes. and also they have like poison spurs and I feel like that really works with my like slither and rising, you know? Yes. So. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I love that. I like that. <laughs> Amazing. So what do we think the differences between Patronuses and demons are? 
So, Rach, you had a good answer for this earlier. So I want I want you to go first and then I'll ride on your coattails. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in trying to uh, figure out what I thought, because it's been a while since I've thought about what my Pipitarianus would be, because we've been so much in like demon land doing the Her Dark Materials podcast. We've been talking about demons so much and we, we like switch it up every week because we kind of don't subscribe to the idea that your demon would necessarily settle full time into one form because you change so much. But it's been a while since I've like thought about, oh, what's what, why would my Petronius be a different animal? Because I know that it would. And um, for me, I think the idea is like a demon is a part of you that is like, it's an, it's, it's, a, it's a part of your personality. It's a part of your soul that just exists on the outside. So it's there with you all the time. And it's just existing. And whether it's, whether you're like super happy with your demon or not, it's just, it is an example of like something within you that just exists constantly alongside you but I feel like a Patronus is something that you like call on and take comfort in or from and like confidence from and hope from uh for for me a Patronus kind of uh, when I was thinking about it it felt like maybe it ought to be something that conjures that like confidence and like hopefulness that you need to tackle a Dementor um Mm -hmm. And so for the one that I picked, I picked a memory that kind of similar to Harry's is like Mm. happy, sad, like it's powerful, but it has some like sadness to it, but that almost makes it more powerful. Um, And so like picking something that kind of feels and like instills that like confidence and like hopefulness in you feels like Mm. perhaps more than like your demon, which feels like something that's just like, that's just a fact about you. Whereas maybe Mm -hmm. a Patronus is slightly different for what you need it for. But what do you guys think? I I was thinking so along those lines and I was thinking about the permanence of a demon. Like your demon, if you're from Lyra's world, is always there. And we know what happens if people from Lyra's world don't have a demon. It's catastrophic to your life if you don't. Um, and Patronus says some people, you know, in Harry's world might never cast a Patronus. Like, it's a difficult spell. It might not be something that everyone can do. So mm-hmm. kind of, I was kind of thinking about how that kind of ties into this these, like, worlds. And I just think that, kind of similar to what you were saying, Rich, your demon is there whether you like it or not. Whether you get on with your demon, whether you like what form it's settled in, it's there and you can't change it. A Patronus is... I suppose you can't choose what form your Patronus is, but you can inform it. It's more of a choice, I guess, because you could also choose to never cast a Patronus. Therefore, you would mm-hmm. never have one. And it can't talk back to you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, I think that feels really right to me. Like, I don't know that Patronuses are necessarily like a reflection of like, who you are they're maybe more like i don't know like aspirational in some ways too where it's like a thing that you that like makes you feel good i think it's very inconsistent in the books but like everything is really inconsistent in those books so that's not surprising (laughs) so what jesse said is that uh, unlike adult demons, Patronuses can change with circumstances in a person's life. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're supposed to change, like given that Dumbledore is surprised that Snape is still just stolen Lily's Patronus. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, like, pointed out that, like, what she would have said her Patronus was, like, at 14 or at, like, 24 versus now she's 36, I think, would be totally different because, like, what she needs in a Patronus is different at, you know, different times in life. And that feels really right to me because, it yeah, you know, like, your Patronus is, like, something that will, like, protect you from depression, which is not the same thing as something that's, like, a piece of you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We yeah. had a listener be like, my, my Patronus would be a bottle of mood stabilizer. <laughs> <laughs> Just like shaking around. <laughs> yeah, which honestly seems like it would be so effective because it's like hilarious yeah, too. You exactly, know? And yeah. Like, that's so joyful like Ugh. just thinking about how funny your patronus will be will be the happy memory yeah. it's patronus. almost like where the patronus and the ridiculous charm intersect yeah yeah totally Absolutely. oh my god that's so good <laughs> oh, i love that but yeah i can definitely see like even almost like day to day like needing something different from a patronus like depending on mm. where you're at like mental health wise anywhere how how close or far you feel you are from the dementors as it is like as to like what you need like some days um for example jesse said that hers is a lion like some days she might just all all she might need is a house cat to scare the dementors off and some days she might need the full badass lion like yeah it might like scale up and down because i guess that works with the books because sometimes the patronus charms are just the wisp of silver smoke and then the most Mm -hmm. powerful when they're in the most powerful form they are the animal form so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know maybe the animal can change based on how powerful you need it to be yeah yeah that's really cool to think about mm-hmm. i let's see we should talk about i'm really excited by the prospect of like assigning some patronuses and demons to characters from opposite books mm-hmm. actually yes. so can we do that yeah yes, cool. please okay, i love cool. this game <laughs> Um, let's start by giving some demons to Harry Potter characters. Mm, okay. So, who are we starting with? <laughs> so, I have some ideas oh. for, like, Harry and Hermione and Dumbledore. Okay. But that's it. You, I, go ahead. Tell tell us what, you, what you're thinking. Okay. So, I don't know like where this came from but when i was thinking about what harry's demon would be like the first thing that came to mind was a marmoset oh interesting yeah and i was like like do i even know anything about marmosets (laughs) like why am i thinking this but like you know i have absorbed a lot of information passively in my life that just sort of like lives in there somewhere Mm -hmm. um so then i went and was looking up about them and it feels really right like they have these very beautiful bonded family relationships and like extended communities that you know it's it's just like really lovely and feels very much like something that harry desperately needs Mm -hmm. and so i feel like something that you know embodies that need feels feels accurate Mm -hmm. and also they're really good dads and i feel like good dads is a big theme in harry's life yeah they're like shockingly attentive and like active participant dads for like the animal kingdom. No. I was gonna say that it's relatively rare for the animal kingdom to be like, mm. yes, you are very present as a father. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
And I guess I should also say, uh, I have this theory that your Patronus or Patronus demon, like their personality represents your moon sign and that like you are your sun sign, which is why like Lyra is clearly a Sagittarius, whereas Pan is very obviously a Virgo. Um, So like, and I don't think that necessarily is like, the animal has to in some way like match what your moon sign is but harry's moon is in pisces and that like feels very right to like Mm. you know pisces are very like as a pisces we're very like emotionally needy and Mm. like need a lot of like love and support to like be well and so this like critter that has these beautiful family relationships where they get a lot of love and support just by like the nature of how they exist also feels right in that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool That's one really for cute. Harry, actually. I'm trying to like picture a mama set as well. Like they're quite like little monkey vibes. Yeah. Like. Just the kind of like just like I don't know. I feel like it's a very convenient demon, right? For like getting around, <laughs> living your life as a wizard as well. Like I feel like it's quite a good good choice. Um, yeah, it'd be really easy to take a demon on a broom with you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or take yeah. a marmoset on a broom with you. My brain is like... <laughs> <laughs> it's early in the morning for you. We get it. it <laughs> We're totally with you usually when we record early. It's uh, it's chaos. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like my go-to, if you'd have just said, like, what's Harry? I, my main things of, like, Harry have been, like, I just find him, like, quite annoying when I read the books now so I'll be like what would be an animal that would fit some of that like levels of like kind of entitlement that he's got going on like obliviousness to everything I'm like what would that be and I was picturing like maybe quite a small yappy dog (laughs) like I don't know what oh actually no it's a sausage dog because every sausage dog I've ever met has been like quite aloof quite needy very quite, entitled like, protective of their people but also yeah. quite entitled and like they mm-hmm. don't know how good they have it and they don't know how spoiled they are really even though obviously harry is like he's been through a lot and we we understand that but like also he's loaded and just doesn't realize it like he barely takes advantage of it or like helps the people in his life in the ways that he probably should with the yeah. amount of wealth that he seems to be sitting on and like a lot of the entitlement that comes with that and like yeah just kind of some of that like uh aloof obliviousness maybe maybe Mm. a little dashing (laughs) yeah so i i'm I'm gonna take us away from harry for a second Uh, when i thought about assigning demons to harry potter characters the first person that came into my head was voldemort i was like what has happened with voldemort he in my head how what he becomes after he is tom riddle he must have gone through a demon separation. Like I just think mm. for how he acts his entire being of like not even being really human anymore, I feel like a demon separation would have been in there somewhere. And that would have actually been a really interesting addition to the books, I guess. Also, I guess that's like could be comparable to ho- making horcruxes. Yes, yeah. yeah. Literally just going to say like with Nagini being a horcrux like yeah what's the parallels there that's quite interesting also the uncanniness that Voldemort has that like unsettles people that exists mm. in the his dark materials world when people interact with folks who have don't have a demon or who have separated from their demon they feel like the uncanniness to it mm-hmm. yeah mm. yeah mm. do you think his demon would be a snake though surely 
Oh, geez, the need one. That would be like say. my immediate go-to, I think. Yeah. But I think I could probably, if I like really, really sat down and thought about it, maybe there would be a better option. But I, the snake works, doesn't it? Just because Nagi- because of Nagini, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, he definitely created a demon for himself yeah. with with Nagini mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. I like to imagine that I feel like. Voldemort would have had like a terrible relationship with his demon and I can imagine his demon actually being something that would like that he would feel shame about like something like really sweet and really Mm -hmm. cuddly that like represented the like hurt child that resulted in him becoming what he was yeah that's really which then like yeah I'm gonna slice it up into seven parts and put it in a bunch of objects also kind of makes sense yeah it's like Mrs. Coulter vibes kind of um Mm -hmm. like her relationship I imagine Maybe Voldemort would have had a similar relationship to his demon as what Mrs. Coulter has with hers. Mm-hmm. I wonder whether it would go as f- the comparison would go as far as Voldemort's demon not speaking. Um, but I don't know. But yeah, it's an interesting comparison. I love the idea of um, like young Tom Riddle's demon being something like really, really cute. <laughs> I just, I love that. But that would help because he was very good at being quite a disarming person True. as a mm-hmm. as a teenager and being quite and like you might be there is like a tendency in Lyra's world to like judge people a little bit by their demon like if their demon is a snake you might assume something about them like all the magisterium have like spiders and beetles as demons and that's how you yeah. know they're the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um so like if Voldemort had like a spider or a snake maybe people would be more suspicious of him than if he had just like a little doe-eyed deer or something and then it becomes even more symbolic when if he's going to like have to sacrifice that deer in order to like like willow and buffy like in order to like achieve what he wants and gain the like separation from that part of himself and also Mm. kind of symbolically a sacrifice Mm -hmm. yeah what an intense character to pick a demon for thanks babe (laughs) sorry my brain went there immediately just i love it i love it to that end though of like evil people having like evil demons i do think it would be really fun for dumbledore to have like a snake for a demon because he's like i'm such a good and he is a good guy but he has like terrible methods and i think it would be like really fun for people to be like what the fuck like how dare you have a snake demon like yeah now i don't know what to do with you yeah yeah there's something like more closely yeah there's something like a little (laughs) bit off here like what is it yeah yeah yeah, for sure And also, like, what's all this, like, what's all the snake and spider hate? Like, there's a lot to be said for people being judged for their demons. And, like, I guess Phil never gets into it in the books of, like, how's about we don't judge the person with the spider? Because actually, tarantulas are cute and fuzzy. Sorry, Faye. I know you're not a spider person. (laughs) But, like, or, like, you know, actually snakes, like, need warmth and, like, thrive on warmth and actually are really loving creatures, like, if you have them as pets and stuff. So, like, there's a lot to be said for, like, the judging a book. Like, oh, evil person, give them an evil, evil animal. And it's, like... I wonder, I don't know, how much it should matter what your demon is. But while we're stereotyping animals, yes, Dumbledore would definitely have something that's, like, secretly shady. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, definitely. Um, So for time purposes, let's do some uh, Patronuses. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which I, did I make a, yes, I did make some, a list of some ideas that I had. But I want to hear any ideas that you folks have first. I think Lyra would just have Yorick as her Patronus. I thought She'd the just exact conjure herself an armored bear whenever yeah. she felt that she needed it because, like, he's her like he's basically her like living real life Patronus. Like that's so funny. I thought books. the exact same thing. <laughs> I was like, I yeah. think Lyra would just 
yeah, an armored bear or Yorick. Can't be a particular like entity, I guess. Like, but if not, then an armored bear for sure. Mm-hmm. So, I there's a moment I haven't read the books in like a couple of years, mm. but there's a moment where like Pan is trying to protect Lyra from something, and he like turns into some sort of like big cat. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in that moment, he's serving the function that Patronus has served. Yes. And so I was like, that's definitely Lyra's Patronus. Yeah. Mm. Uh, my other thought was to be Big Cat or Wolverine uh, or a mm. Wolverine would be would be a good one. Um, yeah, it would. For Lyra. Yeah. Um, we love what Pan's quite often a wildcat when he yeah. feels like protective of Lyra. So like wildcat Pan or like mini leopard. He's been mm-hmm. a mini leopard quite a lot recently, which I think. Yeah. Yeah. Serves the same purpose. Yeah. Something ferocious and or cat based if it's mm-hmm. not if it's not yorick or an armored bear then definitely cat based i think feline yeah. for sure and then mm. and then so if, if we think about will as well my immediate instinct i know that his demon is a cat but sorry for our listeners that might be thinking of that as a spoiler we should have a spoiler <laughs> warning at the beginning of this <laughs> but i think in terms of where I was coming from with my thoughts on Patronus as being something that conjures like a comforting or like happy sad memory that gives you strength like he is has such an affinity with cats and like especially if he's thinking about how like Moxie was so protective of him and like thinking of his family cat like I do think maybe Will would also have a cat as his Patronus yeah yeah that fits that fits I would like to propose hyena which are cats or they're much more closely related to cats than dogs yeah that's interesting because will does have we've discussed this all like many times like will has he does have that like kind of violent aura about him sometimes like he is quite quick to either think about violence or resort to violence from you know having such a difficult childhood and trying to keep it under control and i feel like that's kind of very hyena like in terms of their willingness to just get in a scrap right and they also i mean are like have like these really close family units Mm -hmm. and are like super super smart and resourceful i don't know it just like Mm. just vibes for me Mm. i think that's a good shout yeah i like that a lot I think that Mrs. Coulter would not be able to cast a Patronus. Yeah. I think that I think that she would be a very accomplished witch. And I think that she might have been able to cast a Patronus at some point in her life. And then there would be a point where she could where she would stop being able to do it. When like yeah. I don't I'd have to like have more of a think about when I think that point would be. But I think, yeah, there would there would come a point where she would stop being able to to cast it for sure yeah and unfortunately i think asriel would always be able to and he'd probably rub it in her face yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> and his patronus would be something like ugh, overly confident like an eagle or something like <laughs> oh some, God, something that would. like symbolizes like overly confident brohood like yeah 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 that's 100 percent and he'd be like really smug about it as well like oh i'm just uh symbolizing freedom in everything that i ever do while yeah. also oppressing a bunch of people Azrael is secretly american is that the message yeah. that we're yes <laughs> i mean it checks out yeah um 
I think that Mary's would be a pig <gasps> because it feels very contrary oh. to have a pig Patronus yes. be like they have bad reputations, but they're <laughs> actually like sweet and cute and smart. And yeah. like, that feels very her vibe. Yeah, it does. It does. Oh, that would be great. I feel like Mary would love that as well. She definitely mm-hmm. loved that her Patronus was a pig. Mm-hmm. Do you think there would be a chance that after, it depends whether we uh, think of the Malefa as people or animals I guess they're much more people um mm-hmm. and I don't know if you could cast a Patronus to look like a person but I wonder if after her encounter with the Malefa her like strong emotional bond with them would potentially make one of those be her Patronus mm. I mean I think that if you think you can cast an armored bear as a Patronus then you have to think that you can cast people as true yes yeah, yeah. Um, I think that checks out, like, when Tonks's Patronus eye roll, giant eye roll, turns into a <laughs> werewolf. <laughs> yeah. Because the movement dumps that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> the the wishy-washiness of the rules on these things. We just love it when an author's super wishy-washy with it. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so we are coming up on our time limit. Is there anything else that either of you think we should touch on before we wrap up i mean this is a massive topic but i did just want because because lark i'd love to hear your your opinion on this there's such with phil with philip philip pullman there's a lot put on the gendering of demons so if you are a woman your demon would be a man and vice versa there are there is mentioned like maybe once i think um that somebody has the same gender demon as them it's brushed across like really suddenly and you don't really hear about it again we don't have a similar thing with patronuses right they're not particularly they do they do have gender because i suppose you know der stag that kind of vibe but it's not it doesn't depend on the person that's casting it i mean rich and i've had so many conversations about demons and gender and you know what if you're trans? What if why, you're non-binary? Why has it got to be a binary? Why has it got to be a binary? Yeah, exactly. And I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, um, I've always loved the idea that, like, you would basically, like, know you were trans from, like, the moment you understood the idea of gender because of the gender of your patron or your demon. God, I can't keep these words straight. Because <laughs> I think that that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I think that like the changeability of like young people's demons also could like adapt like their the the demon's gender could potentially like shift as like a kid's you know idea of their identity shifted mm-hmm. but yeah i mean i think that trans people would have the correct gendered demons yeah. and i think that like gender fluid and gender queer people would have gender fluid and gender queer demons yeah yeah i mean yeah. if your if your demon's going to be able to change shape like it's it's a magical thing made of dust like of course it would just represent exactly what it needed yeah. to about you as a person and yeah why shouldn't why, why would that have to be in a strict gender binary or mm-hmm. not change when you change as a as a person like yeah 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 i don't know if you folks have listened to our um episodes where we talked about the chuck tingle harry potter parody books that's like literally one of the next episodes that is on (laughs) as i've been listening through to you i'm like i'm a good year behind i think i'm in like last year's pride episodes or maybe the year before 
I'm I'm sorry for that. <laughs> yes, that's fine. They're they're wonderful. He's like maybe the best human that has ever existed. But a thing that he like really comes back to when talking about transness in those books is like gender is like what your soul is mm-hmm. like nothing else matters and i think that it doesn't matter what philip pullman has to say about any of that like he created the rules of this world in which your demon is a part of your soul and like represents you in that way so even if you are an adult with a fixed demon if you are a gender fluid person your demon's gender is going to shift yeah based on where your gender is that day if you are non-binary you're going to have a non-binary demon Mm -hmm. like that just that follows the rules of the world that he made even if like he doesn't know or uh acknowledge that like yeah we don't have to do any work like we do with harry potter to be like here's why this thing Mm -hmm. like you're like nope you set you set the parameters we're just following your rules yeah this is how that works Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah that's really interesting yeah i totally agree with that yeah Mm, yeah me too me too cool okay this was the funnest thank you so much thank you yeah thank you for having us (laughs) Um, do you want to just really quick, like, say where our listeners can find you on the internet? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so we are together, we're Her Dot Materials. Uh, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at HDMPod. And you can go to our website, which is hdmpod.co.uk. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to that part of the conversation. Don't go away because now me and Jesse are going to reflect on the conversation (laughs) and we're going to tell you a bunch of cool stuff. So like sit tight. Um, I will say right now, though, everything you need to know in terms of like finding everyone is in the show notes. There are tons of links there. Click, click, click. Okay. Yes, Jesse, let's start with your thoughts on the Voldemort thing. Okay. How do I want to say this? I love the idea of young Tom Riddle having something cuddly and approachable as his demon in her. Cause like as part of the very charming head boy vibe he has going on. Um, I think as a Slytherin, I think he could still have a snake or reptile as his demon and for it to still make sense i did not google which is what i want to do this morning which is cutest snake (laughs) but um i think what comes to mind immediately is those like sort of like neon green tree snakes that kind of like like kind of like you'll see them hanging their coils on either side of a branch they just look like a something out of a children's storybook Mm -hmm. and so i feel like there's definitely something that doesn't necessarily have to be like a mammal that he could have that would be like charming and disarming, but maybe still something that he's sort of like, why couldn't you be a fucking scorpion or something, you know? Yeah. Or whatever sort of tough, you know, unapproachable bullshit Tom Riddle would talk to, would would tell himself that he thinks he is versus this sort of like, I don't know, anime kawaii snake, like snake. That's not how you pronounce that the like kind of like cutesy big eye push if like pushing was like a snake is sort of what i'm envisioning okay okay or something 
you know, like just something super cute. And he's just like, oh, why you're so cute. It's not uh-huh. who we are. Yeah. And sort of on the flip side of that is thinking about Dumbledore, because I feel like in my brain, I've always sort of envisioned Dumbledore as like having like a sheep or a ram as his demon, just because they look very cute and fluffy, but are fucking assholes, you know? Interesting. Would that have fucked up his relationship with his, like, goat-obsessed brother, though? I think that it would be even more of a reason for him to distance himself from Aberforth, who definitely has a goat for a demon. Okay. Okay. Interesting. All right. Because I guess it's, like, hard to say if, like... Because we just don't see very many families, together families, in his dark materials to say if like there are like family similarities between like your demons or not you know i mean lyra's family i would say definitely would be a no yeah like a big cat a monkey and a lemur right wait that's not the word i mean a pole cat that's it he's a pine martin yeah same difference so a, a weasel essentially a giant giant weasel but yeah and I even feel like just with, like, Dumbledore's character of being keeping himself so guarded and, like, close to the chest that he would definitely have something where you couldn't tell what he was thinking or feeling just from, like, looking at his demon. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. But still, like, someone who's, like, whatever it is about Dumbledore that makes people be like, I trust you implicitly, even though I really probably shouldn't. Right, <laughs> If right, I right. thought about what you were telling me for more than, like, five seconds, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, I like that. I don't know. What a complicated dude Dumbledore is. Um, I want to know if you laughed out loud at the revelation that Azrael is American. (laughs) I laughed (laughs) so hard. Because the minute you said that he would have something like an eagle, I was like, wait, was that you who said that? It was Rach that said that. When Rach said that, I was like, oh my god, that is the most true thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I, every time I've thought about it, I've just like started laughing. I mean, I think also just because his whole vibe is sort of the vibe of if you could imagine him somehow just driving the biggest like V8 truck into everything and be like, I'm here to save the day, everyone. Don't worry. And yeah. it's like, my dude, what? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, totally. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so you wanted to talk about the gender thing too, right? Uh, yes, I did want to talk about the gender thing a little bit because uh, as everyone should be aware not, right now, um, an- animals are like my top special interest. And as someone who thinks about the construction of sex of sexuality and gender a lot also, the sort of intersections about how the overlap about thinking about people as mammals and just like in, you know, the ways in which genitals and sex work in the animal world means that there's a, there are a lot of animals that don't have what we would consider a like binary gender, mm-hmm. you know, or animals that change their physiological sex depending on. And it's like, you could, people could just have those things as their, as their demons and just to be like, yeah, look at this cool fraud that's my demon. 
Like, I'm fucking gender fluid like my fucking soul is, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what if you had, like, a demon where it just reproduced asexually? And it's just like, cool. What's my gender? You're not going to fucking find out, are you? <laughs> Look at my cool anemone that I have in a jar that I wear on my neck. Or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love a magical... A magical method of like transgender confirmation you know yeah which is something that i didn't say in the conversation with them that i like later was like oh i wish i had brought that up because it is one of my favorite things like us talking about like the stairs at hogwarts or like hagrid and the unicorns like this thing that's like magically externally like confirming what you know to be true about yourself is just one of my favorite things that can happen in a magic world yeah and i feel that especially since we don't see that trope happen a lot with trans people that's why i'm like yes bring it on like for people who are not our patrons i wrote a fanfic about this or not a fanfic an original short about a gender affirming magical dragon Mm -hmm. so it's so good i cried it was so good (laughs) so yeah yeah cool do you want to say anything else about the episode? Um, I mean, ep- I mean, episode's great, as everyone has just listened to. I think those are the couple of things that like stuck out to me. It's just like, oh, I wish I was here for this conversation. <laughs> uh, but uh, write into us if you want us to assign demons to other things that we talk about on these podcasts. Ooh, yeah, I think I think I told you, Lark, in a chat that I'm pretty sure that like steed has steed bonnet has a poodle would have a poodle demon did mm-hmm, i tell you, you this did. <laughs> and i'm just like tell me tell me i'm wrong everyone <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing all right so let's talk about what we've got coming up this fall for anyone who is not currently a patron of ours a thing that Jesse has been doing this summer is watching Our Flag Means Death on Discord with our patrons every week. And that's obviously wrapped up now that Hot Pirate Summer is over. And also there are only 10 episodes of that show. And we decided in honor of both my current hyperfixation and back to school season that we are going to watch Heartstopper with our patrons this fall. We're doing that tuesdays right tuesdays at four my time seven jesse's time being pacific and eastern respectively yeah we do those on on discord it's going to be really cute i will be there for those uh dropping all of my i have watched this like over a hundred times at this point and read so many interviews uh insights into the chat as we watch um, I'm so excited. Really fine. <laughs> so many things to say. <laughs> yeah. So if you're if you're feeling if you're having mixed feelings about people trying to declare like September and September first Harry Potter stuff, you could join us for a, a lovely queer time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one of those is going to be two weeks from today is when that's going to be because we have to announce it on escape from reality first as well to give everyone time to join us 
in non-Patreon land, but also in back-to-school theme land, uh, we're doing a cool sticker thing. Namely, there are leftovers every month from our sticker club because I have to order enough for like anyone new who joins during that month. So through the end of September, those leftovers are going to be available in our shop they're there until they're gone there's like five of some and as many as like 20 of others so you know get them while you can there's also a sale so if you buy four of them the fifth one is free and they're really neat also any that don't sell by the end of september still are are gone forever i will I don't know, give them to people's presents or put them in bathrooms or something. (laughs) But it's a a one-time opportunity. So um, check that out in our shop. Again, linked in the show notes. And last thing that we're going to talk to you about today is the thing that we've been up to not just this summer, but like since January of last year. Yes, uh, we have been working on a fan coalition with Fandom Forward, uh, formerly the Harry Potter Alliance. So we've been working with Fandom Forward and some of our, and some friends of the pod and some other like rad folks to come up with some best practices ideas for fandom spaces or really any kind of space where you're getting together with people over a creative pursuit or a shared passion. And if you caught our episode with which please we're talking a little bit about it uh you may you may have heard a little bit of this but we want to make sure that you all knew that it was a thing that's a thing that we were doing this year and it's super rad yeah like we as a coalition have heard from folks as disparate as like you know running like 10 person D groups to people with like massive followings who are like this has helped me so much. So basically, if you are a leader or even just a participant in any sort of fandom space, this guide is here to like help you do that the most ethically. Like, how do you make the world a better place through fandom is the goal of the guide. Everyone should just check it out. Like, you are a part of fandom because you're here listening to this conversation right now. So that means that it is a conversation or it's a, a guide for you. Yeah, it's it's really awesome. And as someone who's been in a lot of fan communities in a wide variety of online spaces, it's sometimes it's hard to know what to do when, you know, something that you're in is goes from like, everyone's on the same page to like, oh, we're not on the same page. And now everyone's fighting. And now there is tension. And I don't know how to deal with this. And this guide is a really excellent way of handling that sort of like inter those like inevitable interpersonal conflicts without it being like this is someone's fault or i gotta shut my whole community down or i gotta like you know whatever what have you kind of deal yeah so yeah it's also just super accessible which i really appreciate um it's really meant made for like anyone at any level of fandom or leadership or whatever to be able to use equally yeah cool that's it i think that's it for this week i I, I think that's it (laughs) so we'll be back in two weeks with our first um you know actual chapter episode of our fall return and 
until then, go listen to the Gay Pirate Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs>